0: Let's get out our Bibles and go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians the 4th chapter. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, we thank, we're so thankful today for your word, for your spirit. Thank you that you speak to us, you instruct us and give us direction for our lives. Lord, we value everything that you say. We treasure it. It's so special and precious to us. Speak to our hearts now. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Hearts open and receptive in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, it reads, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling of to which you were called. Everybody say, walk worthy. worthy. Verse 2, with all lowliness and gentleness, with longsuffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now now hold your place there and go to Colossians. Just a couple pages to the right. Colossians chapter 1. In in this prayer here in Colossians, let's pick up in the middle, verse 10. He prays that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Notice that language, that you may walk, what? Worthy of the Lord. And then one more, 1 John Chapter two. First John, it's right before Second John. First John two, verse six. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just. As he walked. Just how? As he. Who's he? He is capital H-E, Jesus. He said, if you say you're in him, you should walk like him. Is that a good word? If you're a Christian, walk like you're a Christian. Now, but I think even better than the way I just said it was the way it's actually written. Walk just like Jesus. How many know we're never told to do something that's out of our reach? And for some, that seems like quite a lofty goal. And I'm going to walk just like Jesus. I'm going to do just like he did. Well, he's only if you're going to call yourself one of his. <laughs> then walk like that. If you're not going to call yourself that, do whatever you want to do, I guess. But if you call yourself a, a, a Christian, if you say, I abide in him, he said, you ought to walk just like he did. Don't make any person your top standard. Don't don't make me or or any other uh, leader or any other pastor or any other Christian that you respect. Don't make them the ultimate goal. Make it Jesus. And know this, if we're instructed to do it, obviously we can do it. We can walk at the same level, the same quality as Jesus himself. Wow, quite a big deal. Can you do it? Well, if you abide in him, you can. Absolutely do that. All right, now let's go back to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. Look at this language here. He said again in verse 1 that we are to walk worthy of the calling with which we are called. In studying the Scriptures, I've been able to identify that the Bible has a lot to say about our walk. Our walk is a very important thing with the Lord. Now, before we can discuss... How we are to walk. How many understand that it's important that we know what we have. What we have received from the Lord. What He has done for us. Lest we walk out of fear. Or lest we endeavor to walk a certain way. So that we can please God. Or or, or let me say it this way. So that the Lord will like us. So that the Lord will love us. So that the Lord will favor us or do something for us. But that should never be the case. In fact, we should know what the Lord has done for us, what He has already provided, what He has already given, so that we have a reason to walk worthily. I don't walk a certain way so that God will like me more, but because I know He likes me best, because I know I'm His favorite, I want to walk for Him, and I want to walk in such a way that represents Him well, okay, okay? Again, the word says here that we should walk worthily. If I understand who I am and what I have, it not only will serve to be an empowerment for me to do what I'm called to do, but also as a basis for the purpose of my walk. The reason I want to walk right is because God has called me to something high. You think about, you think about this language here. Um, well, before I get into that, let's, let, let's, just, let's just talk about this. Walking is very important. (laughs) How many value walking? (laughs) You know, whenever you see someone who is unable to walk through injury or something of that nature, uh, you definitely value your ability to walk if you can, all right? It helps us to get from here to there. Helps in travel, all right? Walking is very important. In fact, you know, when when, uh, we have children... One of the first things that we endeavor to teach them in life, one of the first skills in life is walking, right? You know, when parents have a child that uh, walks at a very young age, uh, younger than all their friends, kids, (laughs) then how many know they feel obligated to let them know (laughs) that your child walked at, our child walked at, hmm, hmm, X number of months, how old is yours? (laughs) I see little Jimmy's crawling. How old is he now? <laughs> uh, anyway, we value walking, and uh, barring in any kind of abnormal situation, they're all going to learn within a relatively close period of time. All the kids learn to walk, and because uh, it would be quite odd if you know little Jimmy is seven, eight, nine years old. And uh, you have friends over, and he comes crawling in. Hey, have you met my son? (laughs) Have you met little Jimmy? And uh, he comes crawling in, you know, he's 12. Hi. (laughs) Nice to meet you. (laughs) How many know you don't really look at that and think, wow, what a great kid. I mean, he crawls so well. No, you think, "Ah, what's going on here? Why is he still crawling? Does't he walk and he you know he's reaching up to get to get picked up and and, and and that kind of thing Something would be wrong. Something is abnormal if a child is not walking by a certain age right? What would you think if someone were a Christian? They say, I abide in him I, I, I belong to the Lord and yet after a while their walk is still messed up. I mean after a while they have not learned to walk worthy of their calling would you think that's good or you think something's wrong here there's a situation that needs to be corrected or even if they are able to get vertical you know and go go natural again now (laughs) you know if i learn to walk but i'm walking like this you know i'm i'm leaning all the time you know if there wasn't something physically wrong with me wouldn't you think that would be odd What would you do if you came to me wouldn't you kind of Try to help me to walk straight say you'll you'll get more mileage out of your body if you (laughs) Your back will do better. You you know, you you, people won't stare and uh, if you learn to walk straight I think it's true from a spiritual standpoint that many people Have not learned to walk Their walk is all messed up and they don't realize it. People are afraid to tell them. Uh, dude, that's not how this Christianity thing works. <laughs> you got that all messed up there. Your, your, your life is screwed up. And, and, and you need a little bit of help with a worthy walk. Everybody with me today so far? Are there Christians that have not yet learned to walk? Is it possible to be saved and still walk like the world? It is. It is. But I, I think it can be quite helpful to uh, to get instruction. You, you know, we were we were playing uh, playing golf at Man Camp recently, and and uh, and uh, and some of us were out of this really nice course, and uh, and after a while we we're playing, and I, I had my phone, which a lot of phones can do video, high definition video, so we thought let's get some video clips of as we're um, hitting the ball, and so on the tee boxes we were videotaping each uh, one of us and uh, and getting our swings in there. And some of it was good, and some of it was not good. <laughs> and I saved all those of the play- those I was playing with that were not good, <laughs> <laughs> just in case I might need them at some point. <laughs> Mine got erased accidentally. Uh, but actually, we were on this one particular hole, and it was a challenging hole. And 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 uh, I get up there, and of course I'm, they got the, phone, the camera, on me, and I get up there and just crush it. and That's why I'm telling you the story. And <laughs> and uh, I hit it really well, hit it in a great position. Couldn't really have hit it in a better position. And and you know I was feeling good about it. And you know of course I turned to the to the camera behind me and said a few things about my swing (laughs) basically about how that's how you do it and uh and then later I went to to view my swing on the phone and I thought oh my (laughs) that didn't look very good (laughs) I had a good result in that case but I noticed just by watching myself I thought Man, I sure do something. You do, you know. I was kind of twisting, kind of weird, and my backswing didn't exactly look right. I thought that's got to get fixed. Now, am I glad to know that? I actually am. I wish they would have told me ahead of time. <laughs> you know, you could do this a little bit better, and that that'll, that'll help. But uh, am I glad to know it? Yeah, yeah. Because I'm not going to have long-term results with. A bad backswing for example in this case if my walk is not right i'm gonna have diminished results of success in life my relationship with god is not going to be uh what it quite what it can be i'm gonna my life is going to be limited in various areas if the lord said if you belong to me walk like this walk the way jesus walked do it like this then i know that's that is a recipe for success Things are going to work if I do it that way. And if I don't know that, my, that, I'm, that I'm leaning, if I don't know uh, that I'm going to continue to go that route, I'm going to continue to have that funky swing <coughs> year after year until someone shows me, until someone teaches me, so someone gives me a picture of what it really looks like to swing right, to walk right. And what I'm talking about primarily, of course, is our walk with the Lord. The word translated here in Ephesians a worthy walk. It means appropriately. That's another way to say it. You should walk appropriately. Well, appropriately for what? Appropriate in consideration of your high call. How many know there's some ways that you can behave in life that are acceptable in some circumstances, in some environments. But if you get around, a, if you get in a different uh, environment, that behavior is not acceptable there. It's like some of you watching the the Major League uh, playoffs, baseball playoffs right now. And w- what's one thing that's pretty common among baseball players? <laughs> they spit a lot, right? <laughs> they're either chewing on sunflower seeds or other stuff, <laughs> right? And it, it's very common. You see guys out there and they're, and they're constantly spitting. While they're playing baseball. And no one looks at them for the most part and thinks, uh, you know, I mean, some might. But you look at them and it's like, oh, I'm just aghast at that. (laughs) You know, I just, wow, what are they doing? Well, that's kind of, that's kind of what they do. But how many know if they come off the field and they come in here? (laughs) And they're sitting on the aisle and every once in a while. (laughs) Well, that could be inappropriate. That's not, that's an inappropriate behavior for being here and in some circumstances. Now, this is the language used. When when God wants us to see what a worthy walk is, it is that which is appropriate for the call. And see, if I don't know the call, it's just like if the baseball player doesn't know where he's at, he might think he's in center field, but he's, you know, he's in his living room. If, if, if a person doesn't know where they're at, they don't have an understanding, they could do what's inappropriate. If I don't know the high call to which I am called, if I don't know that, that the Lord Himself designed that I be in His family, that I be called a very child of God, that this is no small, unimportant thing, that the Lord has not called any of us to insignificance, But he has a great plan for us. He has something that he wants us to be a part of. And it is a big deal. If I don't know that, my walk could be inappropriate for that type of call. But when I can grasp and get a hold of the magnitude that God has, of what he has called me to. That he has called me to be a part of his amazing family. Then things are going to straighten up a little bit. Hmm, I'm walking in the presence of someone important here. I'm doing the bidding of someone who matters. And what my life is, is, is about, what I am involved in, what I'm engaged with, is something of high importance that will last for eternity. I've been given this little space, this little time, this short window of physical life here on earth. And what I do matters because I've been called to something great. And that's true for every single one of us. Let your walk match your high calling as a child of God. You know, in a lot of companies these days, a lot of businesses that have a lot of employees, of course, there are always going to be standards for how an employee conducts themselves while they're on the job. You know, you're going to wear this, you're going to look like this, you're going to show up at this time. If you answer the phone, you're going to say these things. And it's all about the image. It's all about the corporation. They want to portray something that they've determined is, is good good for their good for their business but what what some companies are dealing with right now you may have been involved with this or seen some of these things in the news is that employees when they quote clock out are uh going home and because social networking has become so big they start posting and some of them start posting things about the job and about their company that are not favorable right and they say well i'm on my own time And they're talking about their employers or some of the executives and the rotten conditions of this or that or the other, something they don't like. And so there's always, there's this challenge now, uh, you know, because they say, well, this is my private life. I know, but you have 2,000 friends. (laughs) (laughs) You know, how private is that? (laughs) And and so they're saying these things. And, of course, there's quite a, a discussion and a debate to overcome some of those situations. How many know when it comes to our relationship with God that we never clock out? When it comes to abiding in Him, being a child of God, I don't ever clock out where now I'm on my time. No, my walk is what what it is 24-7. I'm not supposed to walk straight when I come into church. And I got to walk down. And I got the worthy walk going on. But as soon as I leave, okay, me time again. Now I let down my hair. And, uh, (laughs) you know, now I do what? What? I mean, what? I act in the flesh. I get carnal. I just do whatever I want. No, no, no the high calling of God applies to all of us at all periods of time and uh, all points of time in our life. Yeah. Amen. We need to know that we're never clocking out. Okay. Now, in this passage, and I want to share with you about this the rest of the time this morning, uh, in this passage in Ephesians 4, he kind of identifies one of the things that would be considered um, a worthy walk. In In, in verse 2, there, he said, with all lowliness and gentleness. Is, is, is that something to be valued? Is is lowly a good thing? Now, some of us might think, oh, lowly. I don't want to be lowly. I want to be highly. <laughs> not lowly. No, lowly is a is a biblical thing. And gentle. Was, was, was Jesus gentle? Yeah. yeah. See, this defines the walk of Jesus. Whenever you see that we're called to walk a certain way, that is true of him. Now, was Jesus weak? Now, was he a, a you know... Was he a girly man? <laughs> and obviously we're not focusing on, on, a, on a gender thing uh, specifically because men and women are both all children of God. Uh, but was, was Jesus a weak person? No, no. Was he meek? Oh, absolutely. Was he lowly? Yeah, he had humility and gentleness about him. It was an amazing thing. But he would also get in people's faces when he, need to, when he needed to. He would also, you know, when he dealt with hypocrites, he let them know said, man, this is, you are a hypocrite. This is a, this is a problem here. And he, he was a very strong person. Um, he goes on to say, uh, bearing with one another. He said, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. When, when we keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, this is defined as being a part of a worthy walk. This is how a Christian ought to walk. If a Christian is at at all divisive, their walk is messed up. They're leaning. They're limping. Their walk is not what it ought to be. But what is worthy of the Lord is when we walk with unity as a goal, with unity as a primary objective of what we do. Now, uh, the Amplified, I like this. The Amplified Version of verse 3, it says, Be eager and strive earnestly to guard and keep the harmony and oneness of and produced by the Spirit in the binding power of peace. There's some words here that are used that we need to go after this. We need to strive earnestly for this unity thing. This is a walk that is worthy of the calling with which we are called. And so anything that would be divisive would be the opposite. Now, the Lord highly values His people being together, He highly values His family getting along, enjoying one another, going the same direction at the same time. In fact, in the ministry of Jesus, we know that he was a praying machine. Jesus had a serious prayer life. Times, he'd pray all night. Time, you know, he went on a 40-day fast, spent a lot of time praying. What did he say? <laughs> you know, for the most part, we don't know. We don't have a vast record of everything he said. We have a few glimpses here and there of some various things. Like before he went to the cross, he prayed three hours. You know, not my will, but yours be done. that, That kind of thing. We still don't have the extensive transcript of what he said. In one part, though, of the Bible, it's John 17. We do get a little bit more of a specific prayer that he prayed. And the very fact that we don't have an extensive account but we do have a lengthy prayer right there. Says that this is a value, this is something we should know that Jesus cared about. It was important to him that not only that he pray it, but that we get a record of that prayer so we know what he prayed. And one of the things mentioned in that prayer is John 17, verse 20 and 21. He said, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Now, who's that? Come on, that's us. That's us. That they all may be one. As you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And so this is a powerful thing. This is very important. Jesus prayed and emphasized here, not only that he wanted us to be one, not the people he was talking to, he said, and everyone who believes what they say, may they be one too, but how? Now, this is not defined just by some other example that we know of people being unified. He said, just like you, Father, and me, just like we're one, may they be one like that. Come on, that's raising the bar, isn't it? That, that's right there may they be one like that. Well, why is that so important? He said so the world will know so the world will look at them and they'll know that I came from you that you sent me. In other words, our ability to share the gospel and evangelize the world is contingent upon us being together us being united when the world sees that we won't stab each other in the back and we're not fussing and fighting and having all this kind of junk between us they know it's the real deal they know something real is happening here they know jesus came from god according to his prayer wow this is quite important you know just like the scripture says here this is the unity of the spirit unity the Holy Spirit is working to bring unity right what would that tell us about the work of the enemy? the devil works in just the opposite way he is working to divide it is, it is his express purpose to divide he knows what Jesus said when he said it can any house you know a house divided against itself cannot stand? And the thing is, he's dealing with, I'm talking about Mr. Devil now, don't have to call him Mr. though, (laughs) have no respect for him, Uh, the devil is working to divide because he's dealing with more and more people who know who they are in Christ. Who know about the authority of Jesus' name. Who know they can speak to mountains and they'll be removed. Who know they've been raised with Christ and are seated in, in, with Christ in heavenly places. Come on now. We know if the enemy comes against us, huh? good luck. Why? Man, I've got the word. I've got the name. I've got the spirit of God inside of me. You're not going to win. What are you thinking? And he knows that I know. And he knows that many of you know, and so a direct assault just really doesn't work. Yeah. So what is he going to do? If you can't get him from the outside, you've got to try to get him from the inside. Yeah. And that has to do with planting seeds and thoughts that are divisive. Yeah. And if he can get in to your family, if he can get into your relationship, if he can get into a church, a local church, and cause and plant seeds of division and strife, and things of that nature, what's going to happen? That's the only way he can get in. In fact, uh, James 3 and verse 16 reads this way in the King James Bible, "Where for where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. If the enemy can get in through envy and strife in your life, that opens up the floodgates of his destructive power to ruin everything else. But if he can't get in, he just, he's just powerless. Now, I don't know if all of us have, have really thought about it to this degree, that we, when we find ourselves getting in strife or being argumentative and, and allowing those kind of things to exist in our homes or in our, in our lives, that we recognize that that's the devil's attempt to take us out. But it actually is. You know, many people suffer physically with sickness and disease because they live in a strife-filled environment. Many people lack wisdom in decision-making because they live in a strife-filled environment. People struggle in finances and other areas and depression and all kinds of things because the enemy is able to get into their lives through that that method. You stand up in the name of Jesus. You can resist all his activity. But what about when he plants a thought? And there's divisiveness that's that that that's that, that's in your mind, and you start looking at people and thinking, and he, you know, he says, "What are they saying about you? What are they thinking? What is this person doing? Did you hear what they said?" People get offended these days over Facebook posts. <laughs> I mean, literally, the computer lets the devil get in their life. Yeah. Again, understand this: the Holy Spirit is working to bring a uniting a oneness the enemy is working to do just the opposite in people's lives what are you doing that promotes unity what are you doing that divides what do you do with an evil report that you hear about somebody else when you hear of someone else falling or someone else saying something someone else doing the wrong thing do you help carry that message along We know a negative report has legs of its own. These things tend to spread fast. Let's not help it. But many times people will go into mode and they hear something they need to, and they're they're concerned, so they need to share it with somebody else. And if they're spiritual, it's a prayer request. You know, we need to be praying about this. There's a great temptation in the flesh because the flesh loves to share shocking things. Loves to be the bearer of news that astounds people. <gasps> we, can't, we can't wait to hear to see that on someone else's face when we tell them what we know, what we've heard, that we have insight. We know things you don't know. And we want to let you know what's been going on, what's been happening around here. Okay? We got to watch out because could it be that the enemy is using that weakness in a person's flesh to spread things. That are either not true or they're true but shouldn't be said. I mean, no, just because something's true doesn't mean it ought to be repeated. Right. Some things are true, but listen: if you fell, if you sinned, if you had a, a, a made some mistakes, did some things that were wrong, would you want everybody to know? Of course not. Would you want everyone to 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 to, to share with everyone what you've done? No, you wouldn't. Why? Because it kind of hinders the restoration process. Now you know I've had people tell me things before. They, they tell me something about someone, uh, sometimes about ministers. They say something, and it's hard to get it out of your head, and it might not even be true. And yet every time you think about that person or you see them, you know if they're if they're on a television program or something or in a meeting, you have that in your mind, and it takes a while to deal with it. That, that's the way the enemy works to plant these seeds of questioning and doubting and division and, and to get people to separate how many thoughts are floating around you know what is that person thinking about you what is this, these people what are these people saying about you it all serves to divide and we need to recognize that i know that uh, Well, i heard a story one time about a, a minister who was being interviewed on television and the the interviewer was asking him about this other well-known, prominent person in the body of Christ that had fallen, had gotten into sin. And their response was simply, that's a family matter. And they wouldn't discuss it. I like that. Instead of exploiting, instead of just blowing, and it was true. It was a real deal. Someone did blow it. Someone did fall. But they wouldn't be used by the devil. Let the devil use their mouth to talk about it. And to spread it further, and to give him to put fuel on the fire, to discredit um, people, and really make it harder for someone to come back and be restored. Yeah, I don't want to be the kind of person that when I hear something negative about someone else, where my response is, oh, "Wow." I want to be more. You know, I doubt that. Yeah, that's probably not. That's probably not the whole story. Yeah, that's probably not even completely true. How I many you know most of the time? It's not completely true. Usually things are based on a partial truth. I don't want to be, I don't want to add fuel to that kind of fire. I want, to, I want to be like the Bible says about love, that love thinks the best of others. And if you hear a negative report, downplay it. Say, what if it's, what if I'm convinced and it's evidence and I know it's true? Then pray and don't talk. See, we need to have a backbone where sometimes we recognize when it's time to cut off a conversation. And it's time to stop what people are saying. And it's not always easy or, 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 or desirable or, or you know enjoyable. But we need to recognize what's at stake. We're either letting the spirit of unity come through us, the Holy Spirit, or we're letting a divisive thought and the enemy use us to say things. Look at look with me at Second Timothy. We'll finish up over there, but uh, I want to make mention of another scripture while you're turning, and it's in Proverbs 6. Over in Proverbs, we have a list in this passage of, of seven things that God hates. Maybe you've read that. Seven things that God hates. I mean, that's quite outstanding to even have a list to know exactly what God hates, not he's just kind of doesn't like them. He hates them. And one of the things in that list, it's the last thing in the list. It's Proverbs six nineteen. It is one who sows discord among brethren. I tell you what's a completely messed up crooked walk. Is a believer who is being used of the devil to sow discord. To sow to, to say things that either are not true or partially true or true but shouldn't be said. But that things that divide relationships. That divide families. That divide church churches. We got to watch out. This is something that God uses very strong language in. He said, I hate that stuff. And I hate that. When someone is used that way. Let it Let it be our commitment. Let it be our decision, our heart. I am never going to be used. To bring division. I'm never going to let my mouth be used as a tool of the devil to divide and separate and, 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 and destroy relationships. Come on now. It's interesting. It says, he who sows discord. Again, you can see things start as a seed. It's a little seed. It's a little thought that's planted in people's minds. Eve did it with Satan. Or Satan did it with Eve. She said, and he said, hath God said... Start getting her to question what the direction was from the Lord about, uh, about what, what he wanted them to do. And you know, let me, let, me, let me say this as well. When a person is angry or a person is hurt or a person is neglected or abused in some way, that is not a license to open fire. That is not a license to say whatever your flesh wants to say about other people. And it's amazing how many believers, they are the sweetest people, they love God, and they serve the Lord. They'll help you out. They'll be there for you when everything's going well. But when someone does something that hurts them, fends them, they're angry at something, all of a sudden, no restrictions whatsoever, and open fire, and they feel justified. Yeah. Let's realize the spiritual thing that's happening there. It's the enemy finding a gullible soul. And if he can get them annoyed or ticked off or something, offended in some way, he's now got a vessel that he can use. I mean, it's a scary thought almost to think, you know, we're praying, Lord, use me. I want to be used of God. Do something great with my life. And the enemy steps in and uses us we got to cut that off. We'll do it by recognizing what's happening. Recognizing what's going on. Second Timothy chapter 2. Look at me, with me at verse 22. And it says, flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. Are there some conversations not worth having? Are there some disputes not worth disputing? Yes, they're called ignorant and foolish disputes. Say, well, I kind of really like to argue, though. (laughs) Well, Proverbs says only by pride comes contention. (laughs) And when people have this desire, I just want to prove that I'm right. I want to show them that I know and they're wrong and all this kind of stuff. Man, that's pride that's, that's, that's there. That's just a proud person wanting to, wanting to do that. We should, there'll be some conversations that we need to walk away from. And not just hear, well, I'm not saying anything. I'm just kind of hearing them out. Sometimes you, uh, this is, might be a challenge, especially for some. Sometimes you just seem to say, you know, let's just not go there. You know, that's my brother. That's my sister. That's my whatever. That's my, what's one of my pastors there? That's, or that's a respected person. You know, even if they did blow it or something, let's let's not do this. Come on, God will honor that. That's the spirit of unity taking place there. Our goal is not to compare ourselves with each other, or our goal in church is not to compare ourselves with other churches, thinking that we're better than or something like that. There's a lot of that that goes on. Well, we know this, and you guys don't know this. and it, it, that, That's just divisionary. That's not the Spirit of God who who leads us to think that way. Let's be thankful for what we know. Thankful for what we have. Thankful for everything the Lord has given. But thankful for what He's given other people too. Amen. Let's go on. He said here, verse 24, And the servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all. Don't be a fighter. Don't be a quarreler. Be gentle to all. Able to teach and patient in humility, correcting the. Those who are in opposition. Notice that word humility. That's pretty important there. Is correction a good thing? Can be real helpful. Correct that backswing. You know, tell you you're walking crooked. That can be very helpful. And uh, when we walk in love towards another, man, there is going to be some correction. There is going to be some help. As long as it's done in humility. When humility is absent, it generates strife. It just causes problems, causes uh, bitter feelings toward one another. He said, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. Repentance is a change of mind. Man, we're looking to that they can change their mind and see the truth here. And then, of course, walk in victory. Verse 26. And that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil. The what? You mean the devil's involved with this? Exactly. Escape the snare. It is a trap laid for people. He's hoping you're going to walk into it and snap. He's got you. Escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Are there really individuals that Satan has identified as usable vessels? Do you think it's possible in churches all around the country, all around the world, that the enemy has identified or is endeavoring to identify someone in there that he can use? Absolutely the case. He is looking for someone he can use in this house. Imagine that. Think about that. I thought God was looking for people. Yes, His eyes are running to and fro, and God is looking for those who will believe him, those who will trust him, those who he can use. The enemy is also looking to divide. Man, he's he's looking to take down groups of people so they won't be effective in doing the work of God any longer. So he's looking for someone. Man, that's kind of a serious thought. So you think he's looking at me? Of course he is. Now don't be afraid, be wise. Recognize the strategies and the traps of the enemy. And when you're tempted to think thoughts that are just wrong, when you're tempted to come against someone else or let the wrong things come out of your mouth, just say no. I'm going to be, a, I'm going to be used by the spirit of, of, of unity. Amen. Let God move through you to build bridges, not blow them up yeah if you find in your life that that you don't have very many long-term relationships you might want to take a look don't be condemned you don't need to beat yourself up over this but you might want to take a look because there's obviously division working there amen now to bring a just a an ending note there are times when division needs to happen. I'm not going to go into that in great detail. But there are certain things, sometimes certain people, there needs to be a separation from in order for things to move on and progress. And I didn't say that in any of the other services, so that's for you. <laughs> but know this, God is is one who wants to bring about a unity in our house. And if we are going to walk worthy of the calling with which we are called, we've got to recognize that unity is what he's about. And that the enemy is about division. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray today. Father, we're so so thankful. Thankful for your goodness and your faithfulness toward us. Thankful for the Spirit of God who works in us to bind together to unite hearts Lord where we're able to look past things and bear with one another in love we're able to be gentle we're able to be kind we're able to be meek Lord we, we thank you that your spirit works those things in us to that end that our walk might be worthy of this high call to be children of God so thank you for helping us today thank you for working in us empowering us, giving us purpose and reason to live. For this we give you all the praise, all the glory, all the honor. Thanksgiving to your name. In Jesus' mighty